Amen. Thank you, ladies. What a powerful song. And uh, what a joy to be here tonight. Y'all came back. I'm shocked. And um, I'm thankful. I am. I, I've noticed, I think there are like 18 different people who played the piano today. And here I, I said, play the letter R on the piano today. I, I know there's not an R. I know that. I say that just to be silly. And some of you that know the piano, you're like, he's an idiot. And I am. I am. And uh, I, I'm amazed at the talent, the uh, choir singing. Okay, let me, let me take that back. I'm not amazed at the talent. I'm amazed at the heart. I'm amazed at the heart. Uh, talent, is, is, I mean, that, people are talented all the time. You see some people, give me a ball team of kids who have heart rather than a team that has talent. I'd much rather have heart any day of the week. And uh, I, have, I have admired, I've loved, uh, God has stirred my heart uh, watching you as a church family serve the Lord today. And, uh, and then come back for punishment again tonight. Thank you. And uh, I'm, although I know why you're really here. I hear there's ice cream after church. So let's pray. We'll be dismissed. We'll go enjoy some ice cream. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We won't do, I'll get in trouble for sure for that one. But, but uh, I am, I'm thankful you came back. And, and uh, I, I just, uh, going to Genesis chapter 39, to, I, you know, 22, Genesis 22. I, 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 I'm struggling. If my wife were here, she'd be sweating right now. I don't, I don't know. I, um, anyway, I'll get there in a second. You can find Genesis 22. We'll see if we stay there or not. And, uh, but I wanted to say, Pastor, thank you for the privilege that's, that's been mine to be here today. I apologize. I really, truly am married. I know some of you are like, I've never met your wife. The Blasiolas have met my wife. They know she exists. It is true. And she is 95% of the time she's with me. It's just the, the 5% has been when I've been in Mississippi. <laughs> And uh, she's not with me for the second trip in a row, and I'm sorry about that. Please forgive me. Uh, I don't want her with me because y'all like her a whole lot more than you like me. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I'm just kidding. I, I, I want you to be able to meet her, but, but uh, I was talking to my wife about how wonderful y'all have been and how, how great the church is and, and uh, how encouraging it's been to be here. And, and Brother Ms. Andrews, thank you for your hospitality, your kindness. Uh, we went over to their house today and had, we didn't have Stouffer's lasagna. We had Andrew's lasagna. Miss Leslie made three huge pans of lasagna, and uh, it was scrumptious. It was so good. I'm still hurting. I am. Hurting in a good way. I, and I finished eating too much, and then she said, now it's time for dessert, and, and it was good. I, I'm, I'm telling you, it was, it was cobbler with ice cream, a la mode, and, and I, those te teens, I love ice cream. I know you, you didn't know that, but, but uh, I enjoy it. I, I did. I did stop and get you a little something. I was I was looking for the yard, and I finally found it. And I've got. I want you all to enjoy a, a date night. And if you have to take Miley, you can. But uh, there's a gift card in there for you too. And I want to tell you thank you and I love you. Thank you for your leadership. You're a blessing, my friend. You're a blessing to me. God bless you. And, uh, amen. You got a fantastic pastor and pastor's wife and. And, uh, and a pretty okay teenage daughter there, too. And uh, I am, uh, I'm just kidding. Miley, you're a blessing. Um, I'm going to change it. Let's go to Job. Let's go to Job. Genesis is good, too. Read it later tonight. And uh, Genesis chapter 22, talking about Abraham taking Isaac up on the altar and offering him. And I just feel God wants me to change that. I, I don't know. Again, my wife, if she were here, she'd be Job, uh, Job 42. 
Job 40, I think. Let me get to Job 42 and double check that too. Well, no, let's go to, no, I'm just kidding. Let's stick to Job, Job 42, the last chapter in the book of Job. And uh, just, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever sat down and read the book of Job in one setting. It's a long, 42 chapters. It's a long book. Some of you will sit down and read another novel and have no problem with that. But sitting down and read, some, sometimes we'll sit down and read the Bible like, uh, unfortunately. I challenge you, sometimes sit down and read the book of Job from start to finish. Read what goes on. Read, uh, starting in chapter 1, the amazing testimony Job has. I mean, just a fan. As a matter of fact, you're in Job 42. That's where we're going to stay. So please don't, I'm not, not just chasing you through the Bible on purpose. Go back to chapter number 1. Hold that spot in 42. Go back to Job chapter 1. And I want you to see just the testimony Job had. I'm convicted by this. Uh, I, I know God is not a respecter of persons. In, in other words, l- let me say it this way. God does not look down at this auditorium and say, oh, there's Pastor Andrews. And then there's the rest of you. God doesn't do that. God looks down and he sees every one of us as his treasured child. There's no, there's no hierarchy in God's kingdom. I don't know if you understand that. There is no hierarchy. God, God sees you. You may be a 10-year-old little youngin, and God has just as much love and respect for you as he has for any preacher, any evangelist, any missionary, anybody. God, God is an equal opportunity God, and he longs for a relationship with you. But yet God says this about Job. Job chapter number 1, verse number 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect. The word perfect means complete. He was upright. One that feared God and eschewed or fought with all of his might evil. That's the testimony. By the way, read on down uh, the end of verse number 5. it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus, Job, thus did Job continually talking about praying and seeking God. Verse number 7. And the Lord said unto Satan, this literally took place. This is not some Hollywood movie. But God, the creator of the universe, had a conversation with Satan, Lucifer. And God said to Satan, whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth... And walking up and down in it. And the Lord said, in other words, I've been looking for someone worthy for battle. And God answers him in verse number 8. Listen to what God says. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant? Why don't you put your name there? What a testimony. Could God have the... The confidence in you and I tonight to say, wow, there's a choice servant. There's someone who loves God more than they love their their bank account. There's someone who loves God more than they love their boat. There's someone who loves God more than they love their hunting gun. There's someone who loves God more than they love their sports team. There's someone who loves God more than they love themselves. 
And literally, that's what God's saying. I mean, this is just, this, I, I'm not even supposed to be in Job. We're supposed to be in Genesis. Here's, here's a man God looked at and said, wow. Look at the test. I, I, I have to ask myself, would I even be a little speck of dust in Job's, in Job's house compared to the test? I, 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 I'm just blown away. To think that God, the creator, looks at his creation and says, there's a man who desires to do right. Is that us? Central Baptist Church, is that you? Do we, by, by the way, mom and dad, would your children say that about you? I think the truest litmus test to any of us in our Christian life is what does our own family say? Don't ask my children, but I wonder. I mentioned something in Sunday school this morning about a trial I went through. My, my daughter, one of my daughters, I, I've saved the message, I've saved the text. Both of them have said this, but one said it in a recording to me. They said, Dad, I've watched you, you've taught me all of my life. I was their dad, I was their youth pastor, I was their counselor, I was their chaperone, I was their disciplinarian, I was, I was everything. They got to their senior trip in school, and they said, hey, Dad, would you please not go on this? This would be the only trip I've ever gone on in my life when you're not there. And she sent me a message. She said, Dad, you've taught me a lot over my life about the Bible. But she said, Dad, in the trials you've faced in life in the last few months, you taught me more in those few months than I had ever learned from anyone in my life. See, God wants to use each of us. It's not just some fairy tale book. It's not just some, some story book that we read. This is literally God's word. And it's written for our admonition, for our growth, for our learning, for our application in our life. And I look at the life of Job and I think, how in the world could God use Job? I mean, look at the guy. The guy, chapter 23, Job had lost everything. You look at chapters 1, 2, and 3, literally in just a matter of hours. And, and you know this. I'm, I'm not telling you. You've got a fantastic pastor who's taught you the word of God. You, you know about the life of Job. But can I tell you, in a matter of hours, he literally lost everything. His family's gone. His finances has gone. His fortune's gone. His fame is gone. Everything is demolished in his life. And now he has nothing. Literally, his own health is gone. We read how Job sat by the fire in the middle of the desert with broken pieces of, of, of pottery and literally scraping the pus of the boils off of his body. He went from everything to nothing. Talk about trying. And we think we've got it bad. Well, my favorite restaurant closed early tonight. What am I going to do? We think we've got it bad. Here's a man who literally went through the, 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 literally the valley of the shadow of death. And yet in all this, he cursed not God. How, how do you do that? I think we find some of those answers in Job 42. How do you walk, how do you live beyond the storms? I, I don't use titles much, but I've got a title. Living beyond the storm. How do you live beyond the storm? How do you make it through the trial? By the way, every one of us, every one of us, you're either in a trial or just coming out of one or buckle your seatbelt. It's coming. 
negative circumstances are, Job's the one who said it, man born a woman is, is full, I, I'm going to butcher, I don't, I don't know the verse, I didn't study. He said we're full of trouble, full of trial. We are full of negative things that take place. I, I like to say it this way, sometimes life stinks. You ever notice that? I'm repeating ninth grade for the fourth time. Good night. Life stinks. You gave, some of you men, you worked for years for the same company. You pulled overtime. You'd go in when no one else would go in. You sacrificed family time. I mean, you worked hard. And then the company came to you and said, hey, we're downsizing. You're like, wait a second. What am I supposed to do? And they said, we don't know. And your job's gone. Some of you stood at the altar, hand in hand with the love of your life. Can't, I, man, I, I, forgive me, I just love, I, I love this. I, I remember when I got married. Hot dogs. I remember when I got married. I saw her walking down the aisle at Franklin Road Baptist Church, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We didn't have a center aisle. We had the side aisle. Tom Wallace was, we had three different preachers up there. Her dad actually did the vows. My wife's dad did the vows. And, and then Brother Wallace and Brother Crockett. I had three different pre preachers doing this. It took them forever. My, brother, my, my pastor, Brother Wallace, used to say this. We're going to give them an Indian wedding. Want them, want them, got them. And that was, that was, that was it. Get it over with quick. No guy wants a long wedding. No guy cares about all that stuff. Good night. We don't even need a reception. Let's just go. Honeymoon. Let's go. And I, I remember standing there and seeing her come down the aisle. I'm like, whoo She is mine. I, I mean, we stood there and, and, and the different preachers had all these different parts. I'm like, okay, hurry up. Let's go. Let's go. And then her dad did the vows. And I'm standing there. We're giving our vows back and forth to each other. And, and finally he got to the point. I couldn't. I mean, I was. Teens, you can plug your ears for a moment. I, I, I was so excited. There's that point in the wedding where they say, you may now kiss your bride. You say, that's not appropriate. I don't care what you think. It was appropriate for me. I'd waited 23 years, almost 23 years for that. I'm standing there looking at her, and he said, all right, Kurt, this is her dad. He said, all right, Kurt, now's the time you're waiting for. You may now shake her hand. I'm like, no! I am not shaking her hand. I'm going to shake her hand. I'm going to hold it really long as I give her a big old smooch, too. And he's just live, and he said, you may kiss your bride. And I went, I leaned her over. We were on the platform of the church at Franklin Road. By John R. Rice used to preach behind that pulpit. I didn't care. I'm laying, I'm, man, I was so excited. It was awesome. And I thought life would be happily ever after. There would never be a negative circumstance ever. Matter, there's so, if this was a couple's retreat, I would, I would go into much more detail of this. But I, if my wife were here right now, she'd be saying, stop, stop. In sign language. You, you must know like seven languages. Sign language is a language. You know Spanish. You know Portuguese. You know English. And then sign language in Brazil, sign language, good night. I don't even know English. But I know this. 
the, the truth is, is man, I, I, I couldn't wait to get married. Then we, we went on our honeymoon. I, we went to the, the hills of Gatlinburg, way up on the mountain, got a chalet up there. And uh, we, we went grocery, it was January 1st, so it was winter time. We went to the hills of Tennessee, and we got snowed in. And you know what? We didn't care. We knew the snow was coming, so we went grocery shopping ahead of time. Amen, men? Yeah, we got steak. We got french fries. Well, potatoes, but I wanted them in french fry form. And uh, we got, we got, we didn't get salad. Who wants vegetables anyway? We didn't get salad. But we got all this food. We went back up there to the mountains, and we said, we're going to have a steak dinner. I can't wait. We got the steak ready. I grilled in the snow outside. I grilled the steak. We got it all together. And, and then she was in preparing the potatoes for the form. I like them in french fry form. Like, I, that's the only way to have potatoes. And uh, amen. And, and so she's in there. She skinned all the potatoes. She diced all, cut all the potatoes into french fry form. She cleaned them all. She put them in this pot. We had gotten oil. We poured the oil in the pan. I say we, she did. She put it on the stove. She got the french fries ready to put in the oil. And I walk in. I just finished a second. I walk in. I said, oh, you're doing the french fries. She said, yeah. I said, oh. I said, that's not how my mom does it. <laughs> ah, yes. I said it. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. By the way, she's so sweet and so wise. Here's what she did. She said, oh, so how does your mom do it? I said, oh, I'll show you. So I walked over to the stove. She had like just a little bit of oil in that pan. I reached over. I grabbed the rest of the oil. I filled that pan all the way up. I took the eye. I turned it on to high. I said, you got to have it boiling. Let it boil. I reached, I looked at the french fries, I said, you know what, these french fries, they still look dirty. I went back over to the sink, I sprayed them out, I shook them up, I sprayed them some more, I cleaned them, I walked back over to the stove. Some of you know exactly what's getting ready to happen. By the way, if you're a man here and you don't know, neither did I. There's a chemical reaction that takes place, I did not know about. I learned biology on my honeymoon. Biology, chemistry. <laughs> I'm from Tennessee, forgive us, we're not real bright over there. <laughs> so I took, <laughs> I took that pan of, of potatoes and I dumped them in the, in the oil, the boiling oil. And it was Mount Vesuvius, I mean it was flames shooting up out, smoke all over. I thought we were going to burn down the chalet. My wife, after we got the fire out, my wife, she just simply said this. Here's what she said. If that's the way your mom does it, would you let me cook for you from now on? <laughs> you think, we, you know, you got married, you're standing there holding hands. Everything's going to be perfect. There's never going to be a problem. We'll never say goodbye. Life's going to be grand. And then God called your spouse to heaven. Now you sit at church without him. Maybe, maybe there, there's a, my parents went through a divorce. Maybe there's a divorce that took place. And you didn't sign up for that. You didn't stand at the altar holding hands, looking into the love of your life, thinking, oh, well, one of these days, give it, let's give it three years, then you'll be gone. You didn't plan that. Sometimes life stinks. You, you go to the doctor and you feel, do you remember the old skit we used to do, the doctor's office visit, 
Do you remember that skit? Where, where you have, you put up a table, as a youth pastor, we just do corny things. You put up a table up there, and there's a, there's a lady who plays the role of receptionist, and she sits, she sits behind this little table. She's the receptionist at the doctor's office. And the first patient comes in, and he comes in and says, hey, I'm here for my yearly checkup. Feel great. She said, any problems? No, no problems. I'm perfect. I, I don't even know why I'm here. And, All right, just have a seat. Doctor will see you. And he goes over and he sits down. And as soon as he sits down, just a few moments later, some guy comes in and he can't stop coughing. He comes up and says, <laughs> I mean, it's obnoxious. It's a skit. They go, <laughs> and, and, uh, and I need to <laughs> see the doctor. And, oh, uh, sir, she's backing up. Yeah, just go sit down over there. She, he comes over and sits down next to the perfectly healthy guy. <laughs> it's transition. And the guy sitting there is perfectly healthy. He all, <coughs> and the guy who came in coughing now feels great. He's, he walks back over. Hey, I don't, I don't need to see the doctor. It's gone. He leaves. The guy over here is like. <coughs> Next guy comes in. He's, he can't stop sneezing. Achoo! Comes in. All out, backs up. Go over sit by him. And before, the, he goes over and sits down. The guy who's perfectly healthy now starts sneezing too. So now he's. <coughs> <Achoo! coughs> and it's a skit. I mean, this guy's dying up here. <laughs> Next guy comes in, he's got a rash. I mean, he's just scratching all over. He goes over, you get the picture? He goes over, and this guy's over here now, he's, he's scratching. <laughs> he's having convulsions. It's terrible. Then the next person comes in. Pregnant lady. Walks over to the receptionist's desk, big old belly out there, and says, I'm here to see the doctor. The guy sitting over there that came in perfectly healthy looks over and sees the pregnant lady. He's like, takes off running. You go to the doctor and you feel perfectly healthy. Not a problem. And they treat you like a pincushion. They take all your blood and all that stuff. And, and then you leave. And I'm, I'm still great. And then they call you the next day. Hey, we need you to come back in. We don't understand what's going on. Something's bad. None of us like that call. Hold on. Can I tell you? Sometimes life stinks. Sometimes the car runs, sometimes the car doesn't run. You open the mailbox and you think the pole board sent a check and he gets there and it's a bill. It's not a check, it's a bill. How am I going to pay this? How am I going to keep going? I can't make it. Here's Job who lost everything in his life. Look what the Bible says. Job chapter 42, verse number 1. The Bible says this. Then Job answered the Lord and said, by the way, there's been a ton of conversation. He's got three of the world's worst friends. I just encourage you, when someone's down, don't kick them. Let me say that one more time. I don't know if you heard me or not. When someone's down, don't kick them. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, ye that are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thine own self, lest thou also be tempted. You know what the job is for us as Christians? The job, this is, this is I don't have a message, so we're just rolling with this, okay? Here, here's, here, the, the Bible says my job as a Christian is to edify one another. I want to come along. I don't want to be the Debbie Downer. I, I don't want to be the guy who's always, well, you know, you know, you know, I told you so. And I want to come alongside. I see a teenager down, you know, I want to come alongside and pick him up. Kid gets up and sings and hits a sour note. By the way, I'll never know if he does. I don't, I don't want to be the one to say, oh, well, you messed up that one. I want to be the guy to come along and say, hey, high five. That was awesome. 
Man, that was great. Oh, well, I was the, that was the worst. No, it was great. I want to be the one to come along and encourage. I want to build up. I don't want to be the one to kick someone when they're down. And here Job is, 42 chapters into the miserable life that he's been in, his friends coming along and kicking him while he's down and telling him, Job, it's all your fault. I told you so, Job. What's your problem? It's all about you, Job, if you just, his own wife said it. In verse 40, chapter 42, I'll, I'll read it this time. I'm, I'll stay put. God says, Job and God having a conversation, Job replies and says, verse 2, I know, listen to this, I know that thou canst do, circle that next word, everything. God, I know you can do everything. And that no thought can be withholden from thee. God, you know everything. I think Job's having a hallelujah time right here. By the way, the good things haven't come back around to Job yet. He's still scraping the pus off the boils on his body. Verse 3, who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me which I knew not. That, was, that last part was my theme verse in school. Things that are too wonderful for me. Verse 4. Hear, I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Not much different than this morning. When I see God for who he is, it changes me. Wherefore, verse 6, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes and it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. Well, sounds to me like God took care of that battle. For ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams and go, go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering and my servant Job shall pray for you, uh, for him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that ye have not spoken of me in the thing which is right, like my servant Job. So Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bilhad, or Bildad, the Shuhite, the real short guy, and Zophar, the Nathamite, I'm sorry, that was dumb. And they went and did according as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord also accepted Job. Do you hear what took place in Job's life? Really, verses 1 through 6, Job, Job in this passage of Scripture, he came to the place in his life where he said, you know what? God, you are in charge. God, you're in control, and God, I yield myself to you. Kind of repeating this morning, hold on, we're going to go a little bit different direction. I'm not supposed to be in Job, so don't hold this against me. Here we go, and Job says, hey God, you're on the throne. God, you're in charge. God, I trust you. God, I have dependence on you. God, you are always good. When the bill comes in the mail, God, you're good. When, when my children disappoint me, God, you're good. When my spouse disappoints me, God, you're good. God, when I'm not happy about things in the job place, God, you're good. God, I trust you. God, you're in charge. God, you're on the throne. I, I, I just can't get over this. 
Job acknowledged that God is in control. Hey, folks, do you really believe God's in control? Does God know what he's doing in your life? Does God know what he's doing in your family? Well, yeah, but if my family would do right. Oh, wait, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Job lost everything. His best friends turned their back on him. His, oh, hold on. His own wife said, Job, this isn't right. Everything was negative in Job's life. And yet he came to the point to say, God, I trust you. God, I believe you. God, it's not my intellect. It's not my education. It's not my bank account. God, it's nothing about me. It's all about I believe you. Is he? I lean over pastor tonight. I said, boy, the, the song, the offertory song, what a song. Do I really trust God? Is God trustworthy? Central Baptist Church, no, no, really, is God trustworthy? Well, he is when I understand what he's doing, and that's our problem. I don't understand. I don't have the answers. I don't know what God's doing. I'm in evangelism. I don't know what I'm doing. I would have never wanted to go into evangelism. That was the first, I, I like food. I like eating. I don't make any money. I, went, I went, went to the bank, tried to borrow some money. You know what he said? He said, what, what, do you, what do you make? I showed him my tax return. He laughed at me. He literally laughed at me. He said, I'm not giving you anything. I said, thanks. Thanks, sir. What, what a blessing you are to me. And it doesn't make sense. Oh, wait, wait a second. Let, let's just talk about that for a second. I think some of you have life verses. Anyone have a life verse, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6? Anyone, anyone claim that as a life verse? There's a couple of you that, that claim Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. What, is, what does it say? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. and Lean not to thy own understanding. You know, I'm just telling you, that's tough. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. You know what the Bible's saying? It's not about what makes sense. Do I trust God? Do I understand? Do I have the answers? The answer is no. By the way, if we have the answers to it all, truth is, we're not trusting God. Is God trustworthy? Can I put my confidence in God? I'm here to tell you tonight, yes. And Job in verses 1 through 6 says, God, I'm going to trust you. God, you know what's best. Hold on. This this is where it really turns for me. I I think uh, Job 23 is a pivotal point in Job. And I think right here, this is huge. Listen to what he says here. He says in verse number 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. Praise the Lord. You can circle that part. You can highlight it. you You can do whatever. I mean, that's. That's what we all want, right? And the Lord turned the trial, the captivity, the negative. God changed it. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. When? What's it say? And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when? Help me out, church family. (laughs) Wait, who are his friends? The three good-for-nothing guys that turned their back on him, stabbed him in the back, told him it was his fault. I don't like it. I'm a preacher and I just said that out loud. Please forgive me. I don't like that. 
Oh, <laughs> wait a second. I'll pray for those friends. Oh, yeah, let me pray. Oh, dear God, let fire fall from heaven and consume them. Right now, God, may you be justified. Kill them. That's how I pray. That's not what Job's doing. The Bible says, verse 10, and the Lord turned the captivity, the chastisement, the punishment, the negative. And God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. You know what this tells me? No wonder why I have a miserable time sometimes. The ladies just got up and sang, you can pray. I'm a firm believer that we don't pray. Oh, no, no, I, I know we do. Lord, thank you for today. God, give, give me a safe trip as I travel. Lord, bless this food. I remember the first time I was asked to pray publicly. <laughs> it was at church. I was probably, oh, 10 years, 12 years old, somewhere around there, 10 years old. And, and the pastor called me up, and he was just pouring it on. He was like, oh, we love our young people. I was in a small church in Illinois. And he, he was pouring it on. We love our young people here. These young people, what I love about these young people is they're so well versed. I mean, they're just, you don't have to worry about these kids praying. They, they know how to pray. And he'd call me. I'm standing over here. I'm like sweating. My knees are knocking. I'm like, oh. And then I'm nervous. Like, okay, what do I pray? What do I pray? What? In my mind, I'm thinking this. And I'm getting nervous. and getting. I, it's not easy being up here, just in case you wonder. And I, I'm like getting sick to my stomach. I'm, I, I, I'm having a hard time. And he's bragging about how good we're going to be praying. And I got up and I said, all right, let's pray. My voice cracked. <clears throat> let's, pray. <clears throat> let's, let's pray. And I said this, dear Jesus, thank you for this food. And I'm like, no! I just embarrassed myself. I'm not talking about our token little pray, prayers that we give. Let me ask you this past week, what's your prayer life been like? The Bible says, I don't know, First Peter somewhere, I don't know where it's at. I would that all men pray everywhere. First Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. What's your prayer life like? We're professionals. We know how to act a certain way. We know how to talk the lingo. Don't, don't we? Bless God, I carry my King James Bible. Amen! And we'll all shout amen. By the way, I'm for it. Hey, we got convictions. We got standards. We're separated. We're soul winning. Amen! And we all hoot and holler about it. pretty confident sometimes the reason the captivity doesn't turn in our lives we truly don't pray hey dad when was the last time you were so broken over the state of your family I, I'm not I'm talking about really broken 
I'm talking about dad, man, sir. The tears. Over your child. Not, Pastor Andrews, will you fix my children for me? You know I've been in church all my life and man, I need you guys to fix. No, 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 no. Not his job. This staff you've got here is a great staff. It's not their job to fix our family. Hold, hold on. You know what the key, the key that turns the engine on in that is? Prayer. Me falling to my face before a holy God and saying, God, I've got to have you. God, touch my children. God, shake my children. God, help use my children in your service. God, I need you. Hey, can I tell you, none of us know how to parent. None of us do. And when you think you got it figured out, God gives you a, a night child. Man, it's tough. Man, I, I wish I, I could write a, I want to write a book, Parenting Isn't for Cowards, but I think someone already did that one. Parenting's tough. You figure it out, you, you think you got it figured out, and you, there was one day, I shouldn't tell you all this stuff. We should just stop and go eat some ice cream. My daughter was 17 years old. I've been a youth pastor for 23 years. I, I, I'm counseling parents how to be a parent of teenagers. I'm okay, here's what you can do. Your child's doing this. Oh, well, here, I've got the fix for you. Here, here's what you do. I mean, I, I've, I've had that counseling session thousands of times. My child's 16 years old. We had removed my daughter's door from her hinges. Multiple times. My daughter, we had a rule in our house, teens, just in case you wonder. We had rules in our house. My daughters didn't get a cell phone until they were 17 years old. And that was only because they were driving. My daughter, my daughter hit a curb and popped two tires and was stranded on the side of the road and scared to death and thought creeper dude was going to come pick her up and seal her. So we finally broke down and got her a cell phone. Then we said, no cell phones are allowed in your room. Amen. Not a bad rule. Really not much goes good on a cell phone. Anyway, I don't think I have to go there. So we said no cell phones in the room. room. I walked to my daughter's bedroom one day, and I, I, she, I was going to tuck her in. It was pray with her and tuck her in. They, they loved for their back to get scratched. And so we make us, I'd go, I'd throw the door open real fast, go run, rah, jump on the bed, boom, right on top. They're under the covers all cozy. And I, oh, boom, I'm right on top. And then they say, it doesn't hurt, Dad, it doesn't hurt. Dad, it doesn't hurt. Dad, Dad, it doesn't hurt. And then I say, oh, it doesn't hurt, does it? And I'd reach all the way around the mattresses. I grab a hold of the side of the mattress. It's like, they're like, Dad, I can't breathe. So it hurts, doesn't? Okay, fine. I'd scratch it. One day I went through the door open to come into a room, and there was this nice, bright glow that immediately went off. And as a smart dad, I just kind of played dumb to it, you know, like I didn't see it. I'm going to play detective now. And I went in, scratched her back, prayed with her, acted like I didn't know anything. I know she's thinking, whew, I got by with that one. I walked back into the kitchen where they plugged in their phones to charge them overnight. I walked over there and there was my phone. Get this. There's my phone. There's my wife's phone. There's my daughter, other daughter's phone. And then there was the other phone there. And it was there. Cord plugged in the back of it. My good for nothing little daughter. She's a lot like her daddy. 
she had taken her phone out of her phone case, put her phone case back together, stuck her cord in the back of the phone case as if her phone, I'm like, oh, that deceitful, that's actually pretty smart. That's actually ingenious right there. But I'm not standing for that. We had taken her phone off. I got so frustrated with her one day. I walked to the bedroom closet, or excuse me, the hall closet, and I grabbed a suitcase out of there. I don't know if this was right or wrong. Grabbed a suitcase out, and I walked. Here I am, a youth pastor, telling other parents how to raise their kids. I walked into the bedroom, and I said, I almost called her name. I don't want to give it away. And I set the suitcase in her bedroom, and I said, pack some clothes. Get out. You'll not act that way in my house. She's 17 years old. I, I turned around walking out. I'm crying. I didn't want her to see that. I walk out. Oh, dear God, please, please help her not do it. Please, God. I'm, I'm, I'm playing a bluff on her. I walk out. My wife's out there. She's like, what have you done? <laughs> no. You're kicking our dog. Just pray, let's pray, let's pray. My other daughter's in the room like, yes! I get her bedroom, this is awesome! I said, no, just pray. We fall to our face begging God. Why? Because I don't have the answers. I don't know. Oh, we come to church and we put on a good show, don't we? I mean, we walk in, we're dressed right, we look right, we sing right, we talk right, we shake hands right, we're kind even to people we don't like. Why? Because we're good at putting on a show. And every person in this auditorium, you're bearing a burden that some of you right now, you're thinking, how in the world am I going to make it? Teenagers wondering, how, how am I going to make it? Moms and dads wondering, I'm going to kill this kid. You wonder how you're going to press on. Here it is. No points in the message tonight. God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. I'm convinced we don't pray. Lord, bless the service. Thank you for it. Amen. No, no, no. I'm talking about getting a hold of God. Hey, Central Baptist, when was the last time you literally fell to your face before God? Said, God, I can't make it another day without you helping me. God, I need you. My wife is probably the godliest person I've ever met in my life. I don't know anyone who prays like my wife. She got a, she watched that, that, that uh, Pure Flix thing, uh, war, I think, I don't know, War Room or something like that. I don't know that I endorse all that stuff, but she watched that thing and, and, and it convicted her about prayer. She cleaned out her scrapbook room, made it a prayer closet. I walked in there and she has everything hidden discreetly. It's got bifold doors. and So you open the doors and walk in, and it's, it's a decent-sized closet. she got a little desk there, her Bible out, prayer verses all over the place. 
well, this isn't much. It's just a little study in a closet. Kind of weird, but yeah, it's, it's all right. And I went out. I said, honey, you said that's a prayer room. What, what do you pray for? Oh, I just got prayer requests some places. What are you talking about? I looked. I didn't see a single prayer. And then I went back up there. I walked in the room, and then I pushed those two folding doors shut. And there were probably 3,000 sticky notes on the, outside, on the inside of that door. So when the door is open, you don't see them. I started reading prayer requests after prayer requests. Then she had a whole section of answers to prayer. She'll spend an hour in that prayer closet. Like, what are you doing there for? I'll take a nap for an hour. And I'm embarrassed to tell you I don't pray like I should. All these negative circumstances in Job's life, the thing that changed him was when Job prayed for his friends. Hold on. I'm done. Who were his friends? The three guys that just stabbed him in the back. Who's the person that hurt you? When does God turn the captivity? When I pray for my friends. Yeah, God! Judge them! No, not that prayer. Not that prayer. God knows what he's doing. How about you pray that God blesses them? Well, that's easy for you to say. Oh, no, 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 that's not easy for me to say. I've determined, Pastor Andrews, I've determined I am not going to have an enemy. I'm not going to. Are there people who don't like me? Psh, I don't know why. Psh, I've got people who don't like me. That's okay. I can honestly say, I don't know that I have someone I don't like. I want to love people. I'm not perfect. Man, I struggle. But I've determined I'm not going to have someone who I dislike. I'm going to love people. How can I love someone who I don't naturally like? Fall on your knees and pray. Hey, sir. I challenge you tonight? I'm done. I went over again. That's two for two on that. Can I challenge you tonight? Sir, will you lead your family in praying? I'm putting the pressure on us as men. Because we as men, honestly, we're the worst at this. Will you lead your family in praying? Ma'am, will you be a prayer warrior? Hey, teenager, it's not just for adults. You can pray. In your secret, I'm sorry, I have to start singing. God wants to hear you pray. I'm calling Central Baptist Church tonight to be a church of prayer. And we don't pray like we should. For the people we like, or the people we don't like. Let's let God turn our captivity when we pray for our friends. Lord, thank you.